0: Our scripture reading this morning for John's lesson will come from the book of Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 14 again that's Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 14 if you're using one of the uh, Bibles from the back of the seat in front of you that's on page 983 it's fitting that the first lesson that we will hear from John this morning in the new year is about prayer In this section of scripture, the Apostle Paul speaks to the Colossian brethren and talks about prayer and how his prayers for them and how they should pray for one another. Follow along with me, starting with verse nine. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with knowledge of his of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in the manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him,
1: Good morning and happy new year. Glad to see you all this morning. We have a number of visitors still with us. We're glad that you're with us. I know people visiting for the holidays, uh, our, our young people home from college, those kinds of things. We're glad that you're here this morning. I have two things to talk to you about before we get into the lessons. So, here they are. Number 1. Starting next Sunday night, not tonight, but next Sunday night we're going to begin a new program on Sunday nights. It's called Kids Sing. And what we're going to do is kids who are not otherwise involved with Bible hour and those kinds of things, everybody else that's from 12th grade down in the auditorium, we want you to come down to the front pews right here where our high school students are already in junior high, so diligently sitting. And we're going to be at the beginning of every service on Sunday nights. By the way, we do meet on Sunday nights, 5 p.m. every Sunday night. We're going to be singing some songs. We're going to be learning the books of the Bible. Uh, We're going to be thinking about uh, memory uh, work with scripture and those kinds of things for just a few minutes at the beginning of each service. This is not just for the young people, okay? I'm I'm gonna let you in on a secret. There are a lot of us adults who need to remember the books of the Bible and how they go together, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and so forth. There are a lot of us adults who probably couldn't name a judge if we needed to, Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, all of them. So we're going to be helping the adults to learn some of these things too. There's a lot that's gonna, be, that's gonna come of good from this program. So not tonight, next Sunday night, one week from tonight, if you're not otherwise involved with Bible hour and those kinds of things, front pews down here, Jordan's gonna start us out, but a lot of us are gonna be involved in doing this and um, looking forward to good things from that work. Thing number two, Starting tonight and then next Sunday, I have decided that this year, 2023, we're going to preach a lot of sermon series. And starting tonight, we're going to begin with a series on Sunday nights entitled, Not Just for Kids. We're going to be talking about Old Testament Bible stories that you might remember if you grew up in Bible class, that you might remember having learned But those are stories, those are accounts in God's word that he wants us to learn from as well. So, for for example, tonight we're going to be talking about the very first time anybody sinned in Genesis 3, verses 1 through 7. And so, for the next several nights on Sunday nights, we're going to be doing that. And then starting next Sunday morning, this is a one-off, next Sunday morning we're going to begin a sermon series entitled, What Jesus Said About... We'll be looking at a number of topics dealing with what Jesus said about money and what he said about marriage and what he said about uh, righteousness and forgiveness and things like that. So on Sunday morning, starting next week, a sermon series, what Jesus said about. So things to be praying about, things to be thinking about as the new year begins. Thanks for indulging me and listening to me in that. If you have your Bible, open it up to Colossians 1. The entire lesson will come from verses 9 through 14 this morning. It's a new year, if you could pray anything for the church this year, what would you pray? We've had a lot of people that have been doing Bible studies, a lot of baptisms. We have a lot of opportunities to serve our community, to bring our neighbors to Christ. We have a lot of people that are hurting and going through very, very difficult circumstances among us, whether it be health, whether it be finances, whether it be relationships with others. What would you pray for? If you could just pray one thing for the Katy Church this year, or let's make it more personal. Some of you are in the process like I am of slowly becoming empty nesters. As you watch your kids get ready to go out into the world, what do you pray for your kids? If you could just pray one kind of prayer for your kids as they go out into the world, what would that prayer be? What would it look like? What about your relationships with others at work? Many of you have challenges in the workplace and you're not really sure what's going to happen next. What can we pray for? I want to give you this morning what Paul prayed for. A prayer for the new year. And it's found in Colossians 1 verses 9 through 14. There was a man sitting on a park bench and as he sat on that bench, he watched a mother duck come out of the pond and around the corner she went and she had ducklings behind her. And those little ducklings, they followed faithfully behind the mama duck. And everywhere she went, that's where they went. And they went through traffic and they went through dangerous circumstances as she went from one location to another. And the man on the park bench thought, I've got a lot of people in my life that I love. And I wish, like that mother duck, I wish I could give them the right way to go. That's something of how Paul felt when he wrote to the people in Colossae 2,000 years ago in Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14. He's like a mother duck trying to guide his ducklings, if you will, into safety, into security, into a place that's better than where they are. What did he pray? As you look at Colossians 1, 9 through 14, I want to share with you what the passage says about how Paul prays. In the first place, Paul prays a petition in verse 9. We're going to come back and talk about what that is in just a moment. But then when you get to verse 10, he gives the reason for the petition. And finally, in the latter part of verse 10, all the way down through verse 14, he gives some specifics. What does this look like? If the prayer I'm praying for you is fulfilled, what does it look like practically in your lives? And I want us to think about that prayer this morning as a congregation. My prayer for you as a congregation this year. What would that look like? Let's talk about the petition first. As you look at Colossians one verse nine, let's read together. He says, so from the day we heard, and he's heard about their faith and he's heard about their conversion. He says, from the day that we heard that, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's the petition. The petition is a constant prayer. Notice, I'm praying and we have not ceased to pray for you. About this. He's concerned about the church, he's concerned about their faith, just like a parent sending their child off to college for the first time. I'm concerned about what's going to happen with my child. Paul's praying for them and saying, We've not ceased to pray for you about this. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing, first Thessalonians five seventeen. Men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Luke eighteen verse one. We are to be a prayerful people, anxious and nothing, but praying about everything. Philippians four and verse six. There was a mother that had a child who was prone to trouble. As she told her little boy, she said, I want you to know I'm always praying for you that God will keep you out of trouble. Paul says, I want you to know, church, that I'm praying for you always, that you will be filled with the knowledge of God's will. It is a specific prayer that he's making. The petition, brothers and sisters and friends. He's not praying that things will be easy or comfortable for the church. He's not praying that the church will be completely absent from the world. He's praying, although those things can be good in and of themselves, he's praying for them to have a knowledge of God's will. You know, a lot of people, they think that the challenge of life is to find God's will. Listen to me. A lot of people, Young people that are thinking about getting married, they pray and they, you know, God, if this is your will, then let it be. And if this is not your will, then don't let it, people that are thinking about changing jobs, God, if this is your will, then let that, it's like, you've got to do this mystery hunt. You know, let's decide whether or not this is or is not God's will. That's not what Paul's praying for here. He's saying, God has already given us his will. He's already told us what he wants. And I'm praying that you might be filled with a knowledge of his will. Psalm 143, verse 10, teach me to do your will, O God. That's what the psalmist prayed. And that's very similar to what Paul's praying here in Colossians 1, 9. God, I want the people there in Colossae to be filled with the knowledge of your will. They don't have to find it. It's not some big mystery. I want them to know what you want them to do. I taught a class on 1 Thessalonians this morning over in the education building. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, the Bible says, This is the will of God for you, your sanctification, your holiness. If I don't know anything else about God's will for me, I know this. I know God wants me to be holy, among other things. He's saying, I'm praying for you that you'll be filled with the knowledge of God's will, that you'll have a heart that says, Not my will but yours be done, O God." That's what I'm praying for you. Notice the prayer as well. As you look at Colossians 1 verse nine, it is a comprehensive prayer. He says that you may be filled with a knowledge of God's will. The word filled has to do with a sponge that has been submerged and it has completely absorbed the water. It is full, it is saturated, it is permeated with water. There is no room for more. And he says, I'm praying for you church that you would be filled like that with a knowledge of God's will that you'd know more and more and more of what God wants you to do. That's my prayer for you. That's what I want you to to know because in Romans chapter 10 verse 17, the Bible says that the faith that we have, it's based on our knowledge of God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm praying, Paul says, that you be filled with the knowledge of God's will so that your faith is steady and steadfast and rooted and grounded in Christ. He's going to say later in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, I want you to be rooted and steady and steadfast. That's what I pray for you all the time. That's what parents ought to pray for their kids when they go off to college. And that's what we ought to pray about when we think about how we're going to spend our lives. What am I gonna do for a living? What am I going to select as, as, as my career, my lifestyle? We ought to be praying for a knowledge of God's will, not only in ourselves, but in others, that we be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And notice the last expression, it's not insignificant. It is a needed prayer. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is the ability to see and to choose what is best. If you've lived in this world, if you've lived as a Christian for very long, you know it's not always easy in a list of options to choose what's best. Understanding has to do with knowing how to rightly and practically apply God's word in a given situation. Our elders meet oftentimes on Monday nights and sometimes the things that they are challenged with, the things that they have on their plate in front of them that they must discuss as an eldership, they are very perplexing. They are very complicated situations oftentimes. You know what our elders need? They need to be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding because sometimes there's more than one way to approach a situation or a challenge or a problem. And Christians need to be filled with the knowledge of God's will so that we can seek the best way to go about carrying out God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's what Paul was praying for the church. You know, we need a lot more wisdom and understanding among ourselves. We need to hear more of God's will in our lives. That's a petition that would be worth praying about to be so full of God's will and God's word that we know this is God's will, God's desire for us. You read the life of Jesus, do you ever wonder how Jesus knew, how he knew when to speak and when to be silent, how he knew when to answer a question directly and when to just answer the question with a question? You ever wonder how Jesus knew when to preach certain sermons? And when he knew when, when it was time to leave town? i tell you how Jesus knew all those things. Jesus was filled with the knowledge of God's will, and he had more than anybody who has ever lived wisdom and spiritual understanding. We need to be more like him. That's the petition. Now look at verse 10 and notice the reason for the petition. What is Paul praying this for? He's saying, church, I'm praying that you be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Why, Paul? Look at verse 10 so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. That is a heavy, heavy challenge to set before people. What he's saying is, why be filled with the knowledge of God's will? He's saying because when you know what God wants you to do, it's gonna change the way you live. He uses the word walk and that's a word that has to do with how we live our lives. It has to do not with just what we do when we come together on Sunday mornings, but what we do when we leave the church building and we go back home and we go to our jobs and our families. Knowing God's will will change how you walk. And notice the characteristics of that walk. Notice the lifestyle that he wants the Christians to live. He wants them to live in such a way that they are representing Jesus to the world that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. High standard. I want you more than anything else to live a life that is worthy of Jesus Christ. More than anything else, I want you to live a life that brings honor and glory to Him. I want more than anything else for you to walk in such a way that He's always on your mind and His ideas and His mind are in you. Philippians 2 verse 5. That's what I want for you. And not only that, but he says, it has to do with what we seek. A lot of times we make decisions based on what we want to do. What seems good to me? What's going to be the best for me? What's going to benefit me the most? I want you to live a life that fully pleases Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting that expression is used, fully pleasing him. Be filled with God's Word, fully pleasing Him. Did you know that you can be fully pleasing to God? By faith, we come to Jesus and we put our trust in Him and we follow His Word. And it's not like God is some evil monster looking at us and He's going to zap us if we do something wrong. That's not the way God looks at us. God says... I rejoice in you and I am pleased in you because of the blood of my son Jesus and because of the faithful life you're living. I can be pleased with that. He's not trying to catch you doing something wrong all the time, but he is aware when you do wrong. Live a life that's fully pleasing to him. That's what we're seeking. The reason for being filled with the knowledge of God's will is so that the way we walk is going to be different. It's going to be not like the world around us. it going to be the kind of life that is diametrically opposed to some of the things the people around us are eagerly investing themselves in. A different life. That's why Paul wants them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And now let's just make this very practical because Paul does. When you look at the last half of verse 10, what Paul does is list four specifics of this prayer. I'm praying God that these Colossians be filled with the knowledge of your will so that they might live a life that is worthy of the Lord, that fully pleases Him. Let me tell you God, or let me tell you Colossians what this looks like and talk to God about what these things need to be in their lives. Four items. I'm just gonna list them on the screen then I'm gonna talk about them at length because I know some of you guys are writing these things down for notes. Here they go. Thing number one, if you look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, there is an action. When I live a life that's fully pleasing God, I will be bearing fruit in every good work. Thing number two, increasing in the knowledge of God, verse 10b. Number three, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. It's a prayer for endurance. And then number four, gratitude. With joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Listen to this in verses 12 through 14, it's not just rhetoric giving thanks to God who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Can I just suggest... I've been on vacation for the last several days. You probably don't know that because I don't necessarily announce it, but I've been on vacation. I have not been in the office up here at the church building. My wife tells me often, John, you don't know what to do with yourself when you're trying to rest. And she's right. I have a really hard time knowing what to do when I'm not doing something that is work related or that has a purpose Just sitting and resting is difficult for me. Oftentimes in your life, you're not gonna know what to do. You're not gonna have the first clue. Which way should I go? What decision should I make? I've got a problem, I've got a conflict, I've got a challenge, I've got a difficulty, and I don't know what to do next. Can I suggest to you that Colossians chapter one, verses 10 through 14 gives you four practical things to do when you don't know what to do next? Number one, When you don't know what to do next, find something good to do. Even if it's a little thing, find something good to do, bearing fruit in every good work. He's not just talking about sharing the gospel as good as that is. He's talking about concerning yourself with mundane, minuscule affairs, even in your own home. Find something good to do so that you can bear fruit and please God. Strategy number two. I don't know what to do, God. I don't know what decision to make. I don't know where to go. I need more information. Go back to the book. Increasing in the knowledge of God and God's word. Go back to the book. About a year and a half ago, I took up chess as a hobby, part of the pandemic stuff. There's a lot of people that did that. I knew the rules of chess before I took it up, but there are strategies and there are tactics And there are names for those strategies and tactics. And when you get pretty advanced in chess, somebody can move one piece and the person opposing them, they can know exactly what that person's about to do. Chess is involved. I've got books that I've read on the subject. I still don't know, but I'll tell you this, I've played hundreds and hundreds of games and I've lost most of them. But every time I play, I wanna increase in my knowledge. That's the reason I'm playing. It's fun to do, but I'm increasing in knowledge. And that's something akin to what it's like to live the Christian life. I know the basics, God wants me to do good. God wants me to love people. God wants me to love him most of all. But there are some strategies and there are some tactics in doing this that we learn along the way as we live our Christian life. And sometimes when you don't know what to do, that's the thing to do. Go back to the strategies, go back to the tactics. What does God say about this subject? and learn it and then put it into practice in your life. That's what Paul's praying for his brethren, increasing in the knowledge of God. That's what it means. Number three, as you think about strategies and tactics, as you think about what can I do when I don't know what to do. Brethren, sometimes the only thing you can do is endure. There are some difficulties and problems and challenges that as much as you wanna do good and fix it, you can't. Because other people have something to say about this and other people have a will and their will is not your will and their will is often not God's will and sometimes the only thing you can do is just to endure it and so Paul prays look again at verse 11 he prays that they may be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy When I don't know what to do, sometimes the thing to do is to pray to God and say, God, I just need strength and patience. I need the ability to endure this. Strategy number four, gratitude. Do not overlook this. It says in verse 12, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you." That word qualified, that's like an umpire in baseball. When somebody throws the ball, the umpire stands behind the plate and he calls the ball a strike or a ball. It's either fair or it's foul. And there were people that were talking to these Colossians and they were saying, your faith is lacking. You're not as loving as you should be. You're not following God fully. There are are a lot of things you really lack in your faith. And Paul says, one of the strategies I want you brethren to employ in your lives, I want you to constantly give thanks to the Father because He has qualified you. He's the only umpire that matters. He has qualified you. He has said, fair. He has said, you're saved. He has qualified you. Give thanks to Him. And then notice what he goes on to do. He's qualified us to do what? To share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his son. And then it says in whom in Jesus we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. When you don't know what to do, sometimes the right strategy is to sit down and say, Father, thank you so much for the salvation that you have given me in Jesus Christ. The fact that I was in darkness and now I've been transferred into your kingdom. The fact that I was lost and you have forgiven me. Thank you, God, for doing that for me. And that's not a once in a while prayer. That is an everyday prayer. Remember what he said back in verse 9? We have not ceased to pray this for you. I'm praying this for you all the time, he says. This is what you ought to be praying for yourselves all the time as well that you be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. As we think about 2023, we don't know what the future holds. We know the one who holds the future. The one prayer that I could pray and would pray for you is this one right here. Before we offer the invitation, let's do that together. Would you bow with me? Father, we give you thanks and glory. And as the new year begins, we pray, Father, that you would fill us as your people with a knowledge of your will, that we would have spiritual wisdom, that we'd have spiritual understanding, that we'd know how to put your will into practice. We pray this year, Father, that we might think more about Jesus and about how we can please him and about what it means to live lives that are worthy of him. Father, help us when we don't know what to do to seek to do good, to learn more about you, to think about times when we just need to endure with faith and confidence that you know what's best and to always, always be grateful for the salvation that you've provided us. We pray these things not only for ourselves, we pray these things for our kids. We pray these things, Father, for other congregations all around the world that serve you. We pray these things for our missionaries, God, may everyone know more and more of your will. May we be like sponges that are completely saturated with your word and may we put it into practice every day in our lives. Thank you so much for Jesus who forgives us. Thank you so much for the kingdom that he established and that we can be a part of. In his name we pray, amen. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you need to obey the gospel. Believe in Jesus Christ, confess his name, repent of your sin, be baptized that is how somebody comes into contact with the saving blood of Jesus. If you're ready to make that commitment this morning, if you'd like to respond and ask for prayers, whatever your need, once you come while together we stand and while we sing.